Hey everyone, and welcome to the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. This is episode two of our broadcast news show. My name is Matt, and joining me on today's show are my two co-hosts, Dan. Hello. And Tiff. Hello. All right, so we are back with our short and condensed news and Kickstarter show. We are going to run through some of the news stories that are going on this week, and then we're going to jump into some of the Kickstarter spotlights that we have drummed up. So let's kick it off. Waste no time. Dan, what is happening in the news? Let's start things off. With something I saw from the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Antoine Bauza. Oh, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. He uh, tweeted a little teaser image. Um, actually, this might have been yesterday from when we are recording. Um, for the new Takenoko expansion, which is called Takenoko Chibis. And Chibis roughly translates to, I think, children. I don't know. I always think Chibis. I think soda pop miniatures. But I think there is a real word and a real meaning behind it. But you didn't bother to look that up before you talked about it. No, I just went off of all my cultural experience with Asian culture. Dan is very worldly. (laughs) He doesn't need to know the language. He can use context clues from that foreign language. And And on the cover he tweeted, it was panda children. So chibi means children, everyone. Even if it doesn't. Because you're making babies. Are you? Are they putting a stone age mating hut? Into Takenoko now? Maybe. As long as they don't mate with the farmer. I was going to say, there's only two (laughs) models in that game, and one of them is not a panda. No, the new expansion adds a girl panda. And then I think there are baby panda tokens from my research that I did. That explains the subtext of... Spelled out, of course, yeah. phonetically. What else do you know about Takenoko uh, Chibis? <laughs> I know nothing about it, and neither does anyone else except for Antoine Bauza. And this one actually had, if you look at the image, I think it was the box image because it had the designer names across the top, but he's he's collaborated with this one. Um, I can't remember all of them off the top of my head, but it was literally like four or five. So I'm curious. I don't know much else about this, but um, he did mention in the comments to one of the users on Twitter that he hopes to have it ready for Gen Con this year. So stay tuned for that. I know a lot of people like that game. I like it a lot. It's one of those really nice tactile feeling games where you're building the bamboo, rolling them sweet bamboo dice. Actually, there's just one die and Tiff loves it too. Yeah, I do love it. And I have the collector's edition and I've read kind of in the depths of the internet that they're eventually going to come out with the collector's edition version of the expansion for all of us out there who spent a ridiculous amount of money on a giant Takenoko box. You got a lot of pandas. I love panda. I love pandas. <laughs> you like chibi pandas. Of then you're in luck. The expansion is panda chibi. Do you not like pandas, Dan? Do you have a problem no, with pandas? I have nothing against pandas. Okay. What's the next news story? I just don't love pandas. You know what I mean? Fair I enough. think koalas are cuter. What? You are you are wrong. This is wronger. You know, I will admit that you might be right about Kindergarten Cop versus Twins because I just recently watched that movie, but you are not right about koalas versus pandas. That's cool. Well, we have our new lightning round question. All I know is that if a panda clings to you, <laughs> you're dead. And if a koala does, you're going to go, aw. So that's just two Actually, different koalas ends koalas are mean. Koalas are mean animals. Matt, you sound like you, Do have, you have encounters with, with koalas, koalas on a regular basis. <laughs> I watch Discovery Channel or Animal Planet. I know things. I can be worldly too, Dan. Anyways, Matt's lying, everyone. 
One other thing on the game front, and this will probably excite Tiff because it's a little bit on the expensive side and it's a dexterity game. <laughs> and she's perking up. And this one's from Pretzel Game called Flick 'em Up. It's got a Wild West theme. And you can look at some pictures online. And basically, it's got a little town that you're setting up and you're flicking these little discs and it's got scenario-based missions. It's really cool. What and makes this higher end? Uh, it's like $70 msrp oh wow i think because it, it's got the scenery too it's got like little wild west like they look like uh theater props almost like with the like flat face that are propped up kind of thing yeah it's got like little wooden cactuses and barrels and it's got a lot of like the town yeah. And those are going to be... In 3D, kind of. Those are scattered. Yeah, I saw a video for this on the Gamma trade show stuff, and it looks really neat. I don't know about that name, Flick 'em Up. I don't know. It's not very high-end. But You don't like that? Flick 'em yeah, Up? Yeah, that's not a very high-end name. Cool. Oh, is it like uh, Put 'em Up? Because it's yeah. Wild West? Like Put yeah. Up Your Hands? It took me a while to realize flick that, Flick Up Your Hands? Mm, they should have done something more austere, like a croquet garden party dexterity game i would have i would buy that i would buy croquet garden party if any designers are out there listening okay garden party we need we need that that sounds good to me you could just go play croquet it's kind of a dexterity game in itself it is but yeah so this one looks cool i don't know like i said this the price tag is a bit much for a dexterity game but you know it looks well produced and from some of the videos i've watched it looks kind of fun this is on my watch list not a must-buy, but a, I want to see first. Cool. It will be mine. <laughs> Arcane Wonders announced the fourth Dice Tower Essentials game, and that's going to be Royals from designer Peter Halls. This one made quite the splash at BGG Con last year, according to tweets and, uh, you know, reading the forums. Um, it was previously only available in Europe or as Matt got it from Canada, our good neighbors to the north at BoardGameBliss.com. I love them. It's a very simple area control game you're just drawing cards playing cards controlling the board it's interesting i think it's a good introduction into area control i think it's very accessible i, I like it you know i'd play it but it's i don't think it's overly strategic or engaging matt probably has thoughts on it i think it's fun and i think it's interesting um it's definitely light it's basically ticket to ride the area control version of it you know you're drawing cards just like ticket to ride and you're playing them to play cubes um i still take some issue with dice tower essentials in general but i can see how it would be essential in learning area control because that's exactly what this is it's very simplistic we've had a lot of fun with it there's plenty of other games that we are better suited for you know we're ready to take the next step up when it comes to area control this is pretty base but it is fun with the right group i'm glad to see it's coming over because it's hard to get a hold of so that's that um keep rolling right along here 504 this is a new I don't want to say game because it's not. It's actually 504 games. Um, this was announced from Friedman Freeze, who brought us Power Grid, Felix Cat in the Sack, and a couple other games that are probably green and I don't have. But this game sounds really cool. It's composed of nine different modules. So you've got the War Game, the Pick Up and Deliver, Production, Streets, Exploration, Racing, Majority, add-ons and stocks these are the nine different modules and what you can do is you're going to choose three of these modules and in any order and apparently the order matters because a war game pick up and deliver stock game is different than a stock war game pick up and deliver game and all these different combinations make up the 504 different styles of game that you can play with this box so really intriguing you know that's my word intriguing but this one sounds really interesting i'm curious how he's going to do this or how he has done this apparently he's been working on it for about four or five years now and this final push they're hoping 
um, it'll be ready for Spiel this year. So, I don't know. Have you guys seen this? Yes, and I'm very interested in it. It's going to be hard not to just check it out. I mean, in concept, it's revolutionary. It's totally new. I will be interested interested to see how that comes together because I get the feeling that one or two of those 500 different versions might not be terribly interesting. Oh, but. I'm sure. I'm sure there'll be <laughs> fanboys that play all 504 within like the first week and then they'll just list which ones they like and then the rest of us can just play those. Look forward to 504 individual reviews on nonsensicalgamers.com <laughs> where we tear through the different combinations. One review a day for the next 504 days. Which is a year and a half. <laughs> we'll do it. We'll do it. No, we won't. Anyway, so... Before we get any deeper in this hole... Another quick mention, uh, it was in the news this week that all this hoopla with Indiana and obviously Gen Con being one of their big conventions that brings in a lot of revenue for them, Washington State was trying to woo Gen Con away from Indiana. So probably Seattle area, things like that. I don't want that because that's a much longer flight. But that's just a selfish reason, I'm sure. The city of Seattle has a great board gaming community and I think it would be well worth exploring it if i was gen con but i think they have a contract through 2020 so be interesting to see all that i don't want to get into politics and all that crap but it's gonna be seattle or texas yeah i could see that baltimore people Mm. come to baltimore beautiful baltimore yeah well i'd be i'd be more okay with it being in baltimore than seattle because i think if it's that far away i might not be able to go but either way yeah Some people are going to be perking up. I think it needs to say centrally located because I just think logistically it makes more sense that you can draw from both coasts into the middle as opposed to one coast, which makes everyone from the East Coast travel a lot more difficult. South Dakota. I expect they'll probably just stay in Indiana. but (laughs) (laughs) So that's that. Um, This next one I'm going to turn over to Matt because I know nothing about it other than FFG just announced Armada Wave 2. Yep. Really, 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 really tiny Millennium Falcon. That's all I know. Yeah. Wave 2 was announced. Wave 2 was previewed. There was pictures leaked before. Um, Like I said, these two don't have much interest in Armada, but I'm enjoying it. I've got my Wave 1 on pre-order. Wave 2 will be coming later this year, probably around Gen Con. Their booth will probably be packed for that new release. It shrinks down some of those big ships, the Millennium Falcon, the Slave 1, some of the other kind of iconic ships. Basically, everything you've seen for X-Wing is now tiny version. I don't... I just would rather fly the Millennium Falcon in X-Wing. Yeah. More importantly, Imperial Star Destroyer was announced. And that's the big one that everyone was like, oh, to scale. Games need to be to scale. It's not to scale anymore. Sorry. Ship's too big. They made it tinier. That's the news. (laughs) You heard it here first, but probably not. It looks very cool if you're into Armada. It's going to be wild. Wave 2 is when the official 400-point cap um, is set because right now... They're gradually increasing competitive play, the point cap, because they don't want people to have to buy more than one box, which is nice. Because right now you can't build a full army out of a box, so they lowered the cap so that you just play with one box. Then when wave one comes out, you play with 300 points. Then when wave two, 400 points. So wave two will be when all of Armada can be fully realized. Anywho, that's FFG News. Sticking along the lines of pre-orders, Plaid Hat just opened up Ashes Rise of the Phoenix Born, which is a new... I guess it's going to be, is it like an LCG in a way? Yeah, it's going to be an expandable card game. It's an expandable card game. Uh, Matt and I play tested this in its early stages. I know he really liked it. 
I was on the fence. I usually am with card game, like collectible card games, because I just don't, I have to be a little bit more skeptical and critical of them because I don't want to get drawn into them <laughs> because it's very easy for me to do. But this one's kind of neat. It uses dice. You roll a pool of dice and those are used as your resources to cast cards as well as activate um, special abilities of those dice as well. According to Plaid Hat, it's going to come with some pre-built decks. Uh, you can build your own deck or you can even do a drafting system, which is kind of cool. Right out of the box, full draft. Yep, which is neat. It looks interesting. The art looks amazing. It's the same artist who did Dead of Winter. So if you enjoy Dead of Winter, at least the art, I really was impressed with the art on this game. So check it out. I think it's running for about 35 bucks on their website. And as always, they'll throw in a couple of extra card promos. So check that out. Yep. And the other thing is that I just thought this was funny because we mentioned before about Forbidden Stars, how it was probably up for pre-order already. It is up for pre-order now. Officially, 70 bucks on cool stuff, 100 bucks if you get it retail. It's budgeted for a third quarter release. So we say everything is Gen Con. FFG booth is going to be packed as usual. Yep. Keep all those people at FFG so then I can run around and get all the other stuff. Yep. Woo. And that's news. Yeah, yeah. We got to work on his sign-off. All right, everyone. So we're going to go ahead and move on to our Kickstarter spotlight now. Thanks for the news, Dan. Uh, our first project that we've drummed up is Mixtape Massacre. So, Tiff, you are super jazzed about this. Let me hear why. Well, I mean, just sight unseen, just the logo and the concept about it. Mixtape Massacre is a board game about 80s horror films and nostalgia kind of a thing. I did some research on it because I was thinking about backing it. First glance, it kind of looks a little bit like Last Night on Earth, but you're playing as a serial killer, so it's like a serial killer training thing. Um, <laughs> you you go around the town and you're encountering people and trying to murder them using dice. So that's that's the gist of the game. I've actually read the whole entire rulebook for it, uh, which is extremely short and pretty well put together, but it kind of, it's looking like a really lucky game. So it's all based on dice. So you, you roll dice to move, you roll dice to see if you um, kill people, and there's also card flip involved where you're encountering your victim and they might get away just based on a card flip. So I worry about the luckiness of it, but it's kind of like a, I, I would, if I did back it, which I am currently signed on, I am backing it right now, but trying to make up my mind about it. It's kind of a beer and pretzels. You might play it like on your Halloween game day, just as a starter kind of, I don't know, it's the way I look at Betrayal on House of, of the, whatever title that. Betrayal at the House goes. on the Hill. That one. You know, I'm not playing it because it's like a stellar game because it's not. It's just kind of like a fun little experience thing. And this. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Experience I don't game. think it has that much. I, I mean, it's it's a, on par with that. Maybe a little bit lighter. But the components look kind of neat. They're, I mean, there are they're cardboard standees. There are eight different killers you get to choose from. And they're all based on various horror films. And you have a die cut knife player board. So you track your life on this <laughs> butcher knife. And uh, you stick your, it holds your cards up. So it's kind of a neat component. And yeah, the cards, the card backs are videotapes and cassette tapes. So it definitely plays on my nostalgia for the 80s, which I have a whole lot of. I think it looks kind of neat. 
Uh, yeah. it's it's sixty bucks, I think. It's yeah, fifty five for the early bird, and then sixty for the regular copy. It's supposed to ship in October, but it looks interesting at least yeah. if you are an eighties person. Which uh, I am not. Well I am, right. but I wasn't born then. Yeah. So sorry. But yeah, so this one has not yet met its goal. They're looking for twenty thousand bucks. They are about a third of the way there ish. Um this will be ending on May eighth. So you have plenty of time if you're interested. Sixty bucks for the base pledge or if you want to be in the game Six hundred and sixty-six dollars. <laughs> uh, so our next project, talk about the dice board, Tiff. All right. So if you go on Kickstarter and search for RPG dice board, you are going to get a project that they finally did it. If you're one of those people that really need to sleeve everything, they finally made it so you can actually sleeve your dice. Congratulations, people. This is dumb. <laughs> no, amazing. It's, it's... It's amazing, Dan. It's a wooden board with dice poppers in it. So you can put in whatever dice you want, your RPG dice, whatever fancy dice you have. You stick them in the little popper and your dice are protected. If you watch the video for this, I thought they did a really nice job. It's hilarious. Uh, But yeah. Yeah, it's a ridiculous product and I love it. It's so dumb. It's, It's a trouble popper, but seven of them. And you can get it engraved so it looks like you're doing weird demonic rituals with your dice poppers. <laughs> but it takes all the fun out of rolling dice. It does. But I love the idea that just when Tiff told me about this, she was like, they did it. They finally did it. You can sleeve your dice. And that's exactly what this is. Why else would you bother with this if, unless you're some individual who does not want to roll their dice? Here's the thing. You can buy a single popper, just one, for 30 bucks. And I might do it just to have it as like a conversation piece. Check like, out this dice hilarious. popper. I'm not going to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> if our friendship is going to hinge on it, Dan, then then I guess I won't back it. But come on, it's this hilarious. This would be a coveted piece. This is the first player die. You break it out and you're like, who's going to be first player? Dice popper time. Yeah. It's kind of like my giant Chessex die that I roll to determine first player. No, no interest nope. in that. Well, here, how about this? You're getting a deal. All right, do you have interest for it? Do you have interest in it at one hundred and thirty dollars? No, <laughs> not in the least. Well, the base single one is only thirty bucks, but they go up as you want them. If you want them etched, or you want all seven built into one little dice popping tablet. How many, how many people have backed this? This has been backed by 27 people. Thank you. I still have faith in humanity. They have until May 1st. This will be done. And like I said, there's a bunch of different levels that you can join in at 30 bucks all the way up to 130 bucks. You can go higher than that, but you're just getting kind of like extra little pieces at at that point. Dan, watch the video. Please watch the video. Let's stop recording right now. I don't need to. I can just just dig into my childhood. The problem is a housing. Nay, a shrine for polyhedral dice. That's what the Kickstarter page is telling me, and I'm buying what into that. What dice do you have that are so important that you can't just spend another $4 and buy it again? <laughs> if you stumble upon $250, y'all better be getting that carved stone seven dome board. What? Carved stone? I didn't yeah, see that. Or etched that. metal. Wow. This goes that's... for all those people with metal dice, all those fancy the dice that come out. This is perfect for them. You protect them. You can roll them. It's cheaper to just buy the dice again. 
It's not about the cost, Dan. It's about. But the, I'm, having... I'm just saying, if you're using protection as the <laughs> the excuse, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to poke a hole in that Papamatic. <laughs> I'm so uncomfortable. Um, yeah, I don't think you would actually buy this just to protect your dice. I think you would buy it because it's just weird and it's interesting. It's just one of those cool superfluous things that's floating around the internet. That's cool. I avoid those. Well, then this project is not for you. No. Let's go ahead and move right along. There's not much more that can be said. You have until May 1st. Check it out. More significantly is a is a big revolution in from the publishing side of games. The Titan series. The Titans of Gaming from Calliope Games um, is the next project that we're going to chat about. This project has until May 30th. This was a super long campaign. There's still a ton of time left if you're interested in it. They are pretty close to funding. They're over halfway there. This is an interesting project because this is not for one game. This is for nine games. Nine games across the next three years from a host of really popular designers. So people like Richard Garfield, Eric Lang, Mike Selinker, Rob Davio, Mike Elliott. Lots of big names that you've been hearing and seeing on your boxes. They are working on nine gateway games. You can back either for a small chunk of games or just one of the games, or you can back 145 bucks to get all of them across the next three years. And there's a lot of different ways to chat about this project, and I just want to know your guys' thoughts, your guys and gals. Well, I think of this as the most beautiful Kickstarter project, the most interesting Kickstarter project that I'm really not interested in backing ever. I, I watched the video and I'm like, yeah, gateway games, these crazy designs. <laughs> and I'm like, they, they have this great thing where you can click on and you can listen to each individual designer talk about games and talk about gateway games and their history. And it's awesome and it's great. But like I read about the games and I'm like, no, I no, no, I don't want one. Have they so, actually released details on the games? Yes, they've talked, at least as far as I can tell, there are the first three games, which will come in within a year of the Kickstarter funding, have been, some some details have been I know when they first launched, and this is like a 60-day project, too. It's one of those long ones that you can forget about for a little bit and come back to, but they just released it almost blind. Like you said, they had the videos, and you could, like, see the designers. That's cool, but Richard Garfield, as great as he is, he could design a zombie game and i have zero interest in it but they weren't telling me what kind of game he was designing well they have the details richard garfield is currently working on a party game uh paul peterson is working on a risk management game and zach and jordan weissman are working on a worker placement game and the idea is that each of these nine games are going to focus on a different um mechanic or kind of type of game that is going to be gateway or entry level here's my thing i like calliope nice people great games i'm all right with it most projects have trouble delivering one game on time. These guys are promising nine of them, and you have to wait three years to get all of them? Like, I just don't see this. I'm going to be close to 40 by the time I get my games. <laughs> <laughs> like, that just doesn't excite me. Because, I mean, here's another thing. Like, as rapid as this hobby is growing, and just the innovation in design and production, are these games going to be stale in three or four years? Are they going to be just old news as far as the mechanics and everything are concerned? I mean, I think given the pedigree of these designers, whatever they put out is going to be interesting and 
And, Are you really I mean, interested by a Richard Garfield party game, though? I'm not. That's what I'm. That's that's my point exactly. Is I was like totally buying into this as I scroll down the page and I'm watching all the videos and I'm reading about it. And I'm like, yeah. And then I read about like Richard Garfield's party game, and I'm like, no, I don't want that. And this worker placement game that Zach and Jordan Wiseman are doing is bluffing and deduction. Hello, that's not going to work for me. The only one I'm really interested in is Paul Peterson has like a dice. You're moving dice from one side of a board to the other and you're trying to it's you're going through different paths. It sounds interesting that way, but that's one out of three. And if I extrapolate that over nine, I'm only interested in a third of this project. I do think that they've done a good job in getting guys and gals who are I think that these are the people who are going to be shaping a lot of the trends these are big designers in the next three years. So to think about how if they're going to be stale or not, game development takes a while. I think that they've chosen people who are going to still be kind of on the cutting edge three years from now. I think that we move pretty quick through these years and that game design from year to year is shifting quickly. But I think it's going to slow down because we can't keep this momentum. And then this, this might be a way for, I don't know. I mean, there are games that we play that are 10 years old, Dan. I, I don't know that, that they're all going to be that awesome. But I, I think... All right. Well, let me... I'll say it this way then. I really don't like many of the designers games, mm. like previous games. So I'm not... Eric Lang, as much as I respect what he does, I don't really care for 95% of his games. Like, for, for my personal style. Right. Same with Mike Selinker. Uh, Mike Elliott's got some good ones. Rob Davio, I don't know, maybe he'll make a Legacy Gateway game. That'd be cool. Um, <laughs> Richard Garfield, yeah. King of Tokyo, cool. Magic is magic. I mean, he's the, the king of design. But... I don't really want a party game from him. Again, maybe it'll be interesting because I I feel like Richard Garfield using his talent and his expertise and his amazingly mathematical brain to make a party game. Like, I don't know. I mean, (laughs) I'm at least curious about it. I just I can't put money behind it right now. And that's the hard thing is that these there's so little detail in the games themselves that anybody like us who's super informed and who asks the questions when they approach a Kickstarter project. We don't have enough information to make an informed decision and to drop 145 bucks to get games that are so far out and that have not been revealed is a tough sell. I think that it's a cool idea, but they're not providing enough information to sell it to people who aren't going to just jump in and kind of trust. You've got to trust Calliope Games in this. And that's the tricky part is that you're trusting them with a lot of money and a lot of your time. Granted, I've backed Kickstarter projects that have taken three years to deliver. It's different when when you're saying at least three years. Yeah. So six years from now, will they be relevant? I don't know, Dan. I assume three years is close enough. I but... trust these designers to be able to design within the time frames needed. It's just, do I trust Calliope to produce and get these things out? Well time period and it's not even a matter of do i trust calliope because i think i can say that i do trust calliope i just don't trust the printing process the shipping process and all the things that go into actually getting a kickstarter game delivered i don't trust the west coast shipping market right (laughs) so i think i think there's just a lot up in the air i mean we don't even have themes for these games not that i'm a huge theme person but i would like to know what the art is gonna look like they have some artists down here who they they have on board Larry Elmore, um, Echo, Chernick, Andrew Hepworth, and John Kavalik. So they've got some good pedigree on the artists, but I, I would like to know what to expect looks-wise. Series of games that look like Munchkin. Mm. 
And see, that's the problem is that, like, I can see the way that you're responding to it, Dan, is the lack of information makes us all go to, like, these dark places. It's like, <laughs> let's think of, like, how bad could it be? And that's what you were kind of forced into because we don't have any great positive things to go on. If it's like, I don't like Richard Garfield and he's making, and I don't like party games, then you just assume it's going to be the worst thing ever. Maybe it could be cool, but we don't know because yeah. they're not providing enough. Exactly. If, he was, if anyone was going to make a party game cool that would fit my like. I could see Richard Garfield doing it, but again, I don't know what it's going to be themed, what it's going to be. It's and that's the thing. It's dark. like we don't necessarily like everything from all these people, but maybe we would like it if they told us what it was. Right. Yep. But they didn't, so I'm not giving them my money. <laughs> and it's I wonder maybe it's a 60-day campaign. Maybe they're trying to hold on to some things. Yeah, maybe to more details. Trickle it out. Will come to light. I don't think it's a. I'm not a Kickstarter expert, but from all the Kickstarters I've participated in. This project is going to, like, leave people's minds. And then when it goes to end, people are going to get 48-hour warnings and be like, that didn't end yet? What the heck is going on? <laughs> yeah, well, I think, in general, the trend is that Kickstarter campaigns are getting shorter. And then I saw this one, and I'm like, whoa, that's really long. It'll be interesting to see. I think, at the bare minimum, what you're getting out of this is some really interesting board game designer information slash history slash you know what these guys look like now. <laughs> <laughs> you see them in video right so i think if you're a gamer you should definitely just check it out for that resource of just like seeing what eric lang has to say on calliope's website too yeah all those videos yeah so those are interesting but i don't unless something new happens on that kickstarter page i don't see myself backing this all right well those are the projects that we wanted to feature in a more full kind of discussion, open discussion kind of way. Um, some of the quick mentions of what's just floating out there in Kickstarter because there's a lot of cool stuff. The first up is something that was brought to our attention on our BGG guild, number 2077, uh, by Dan. He let us know about a game called WarQuest. He was really digging it. This is not a game for you two. I can openly say that. This is dudes on a gigantic map. It's dice rolling. It's card play. It's like super trashy. And they fully embrace the Ameritrash of this game. Like, they want it to be a big game. Um, it's from Glendrover. It's got a team who you may not have heard of any of their individual parts, but when you dig into their history, you're like, oh, these guys and, and gals have been all over the map. So the team seems like it could be trusted. The only problem with me, for me, is that it's expensive. 90 bucks for a base game, up to 275 bucks if you want to get all the expansions. Minis scare me because that means production delays. This will be ending on May 7th. Could be cool. Could be up your alley. Check it out. Um, also still on Kickstarter for a few more days. Ending April 18th is Best Treehouse Ever from Scott Alms um, being put out by Green Couch Games and our buddy Jason Katarski. Card drafting, super low entry price. Great game. Lots of fun. There is a preview up on NonsenseGoalGamers.com that you can check out if you're interested in it. Another project that's up, Rado Runs Through Season 4 is up. Ending April 21st, if you are a fan of Rado and you see him as a good resource in the hobby, um, he does a lot of videos and, and content for the hobby, um, head over there to support him in a monetary way. Another preview that we did is Nor Saga. This is a hand management game where you're building a, you're building a family tree and trying to tell the story of your family. Um, it's an interesting hand management game. It's got some really cool art. It also has a low price point. That'll be ending April 28th. And that is another one that you can head to nonsensicalgamers.com to check out a preview of. And rounding it out is another preview that is up on nonsensicalgamers.com right now. This is Ion, a compound building game. 
This is a cool little card drafting game that teaches you some basic chemistry while you're at it. Um, you have to make stable compounds with positive and negative um, ions and things like that. This will be ending on May 7th, and check out our preview. Ben came out of the woodwork to write a game about science, uh, and you can check out our opinions on the site. And those are my quick mentions, short and sweet. Anything else in news and Kickstarter that are on your minds, my dear co-hosts? Nope. Nope. All right, well, that will round it out for Boardcast News episode number two. Join us next week where we'll be jumping into another full episode, and we will be doing some cool new segments like our Failed and Flip. We will be doing Keep Trade Burn, unearthing that, and doing another filler feature and a hipster highlight. So we got a lot of cool stuff. So we will talk to you next week. Bye. See you. Bye. Bye.